Good to have you all with us. I'm Carlo, one of the pastors on staff here. And uh, this morning, we're, we're going to be celebrating Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to you all. But uh, we're in a sermon series that's focused on this early church and how that early church changed the world. It's the Church of Acts, how they partnered with God. And um, before we get into that, though, I'd like to, to just bounce a couple fun facts off you, uh, particularly for you moms, um, and you aspiring moms, uh, and those who've changed many diapers. So ch- check this out. Diaper changes, you'll change 7,300 by little sweetie pie's second birthday. As far as diaper changing speed goes, moms take about two minutes, five seconds, which adds up to three 40-hour work weeks each year. Dads, on the other hand, one minute, 36 seconds. Oh, yeah. Come on, dads. Now, is, is that really saying we're that fast or that we're just sloppy? Yeah, probably. I know I've changed a zillion diapers. My goodness, I'm glad that time is gone. Hallelujah. Ah, uh, yes. So, uh, now you're not going to believe this one. I had to check two different sources. The record for the most children born to one woman, 69. Mrs. Vasilyev of Russia gave birth to these children between 1725 and 1765 to Fyodor Vasilyev, a peasant from Shua, Russia. In 27 confinements, she gave birth to 16 pairs of twins, seven sets of triplets, and four sets of quadruplets. That's a whole marching band. I mean, seriously, happy Mother's Day, right? Man, oh man. Well, I've got a, a more sobering, uh, sobering fact to share with you, and it, it goes into the direction of this sermon. Um, it's not meant to make anybody feel guilty or ashamed, but to open up our eyes more as a church to what God's doing in the community and how we can be involved. 10 to 15 million. It's the number of single parents in the U.S. raising children younger than 18 in the year 2013. That's up from 3.4 million in 1970. 80% of these are women. Many have been abandoned or have fled from men who should have been a provider or a protector. The majority are living below the poverty line, and it's tough really tough. I've, I've talked to some of these women. Um, I know th- there was uh, a time a couple months ago when, when my own wife went out of town for three days. And I'll tell you, getting the kids dressed, fed, to school, going and working my full-time job, coming back, get them fed again, clean up the tornado, at least try to pretend so that when my wife comes back, it's not an absolute disaster. Me time? No, me time was pillow time. I mean, it's just exhausting. You know, I, I think about, uh, you know, I've talked to, I just talked to a soccer mom the other day, yesterday. Uh, you know, how do you get your kids to practice when one's on one side of the city and the other's on the other? 
I mean, there, there's all sorts of difficulties for, for these people that are, are raising children alone. Well, my hope is that today, as we look in the Bible, we will find inspiration from the story of the early church and how they connected, particularly with the vulnerable in the world, and brought hope, help, and healing to them. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you have one, to Acts 6. It's towards the end of the, uh, of the Bible, right side. Uh, you'll remember Pastor Brady a couple weeks ago talked about this issue of the Hellenistic widows and the Hebraic widows, and the, the Hellenistic ones were getting ignored, and, and so he talked about uh, how the church responded to that and found these seven men with good reputations that were filled with the Spirit, and they were able to serve these women uh, and, and make sure their needs were, wet, were met. So, chapter 6, starting with verse 1, says this, to refresh... In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. You know, uh, we already went over a lot of things from this passage, so we're not going to revisit all that, but uh, I want to pull out a couple of different things that that I saw that were inspiring to me. The, The first thing is that this, these, these people here who were doing this early church, they were, they were taking care of, of people at the very inception of their church. I mean, it's, this, this church is very young, and, and yet they're, they're taking care of one another. They're helping and to respond to the needs right in front of them. You know, uh, you remember that, that there was this... this uh, issue brought before them of frustration of some, and it isn't like, hey, you know, I don't like the coffee your church is serving, or I mean, this carpet is, I don't like this carpet. I mean, this, this was a real serious threat back in, in this day. You know, uh, these are not like a days of a big social net. Like it wasn't where they had social security, no Obamacare. There was Romanacare which is like, pay your taxes or we'll kill you. But there wasn't really a lot of of help from the the government. Whatever griefs we may have about our social care system, uh, we certainly have it much better off than they did with Romana Care, right? But is it enough? How many single parents are just out there scraping by? I talked to the director of Lighthouse Mission, uh, which we partner with in the, in the middle of the city, and he told me that they have 40 homeless single moms and 15 of their children staying with them in the Gopi house. I also found that uh, 67% of kids at the Cordata Elementary School are on free or reduced lunch. Sunnyland, 57%. Shucks in middle school, almost 60% on free and reduced lunch. Now think about this church in Acts. Here we are, you got some 20-somethings who are the leaders of this movement. They don't have bylaws. 
They, these guys have been trained, basically their education was hanging out with Jesus and watching him teach and do miracles for three years. They are trying to deal with oppression by a massive empire of the Romans. Then they also have this threat from their countrymen. They're hated. They're despised by the Jews. And they know that this, isn't, this is no joke because just recently, a couple of their leaders were beat to a pulp and, and put in prison for just talking about Jesus. And then not only that, but they will certainly remember their own special love of their life, the most important person ever to walk the face of the earth, Jesus Christ, who they saw beaten taken before the Jews in a trial that was illegal, led out to the most horrific death they could have imagined, death on a cross. So this was very real for them. And so think about this, this these young church guys, these leaders who are trying to, to keep this all-important message going forward. And they're brought some grumpy congregants. What are they going to do? Let's, let's see. Reviewing again, verse 2. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, Deal with it, people. We've got enough problems of our own. No. Uh, they said, after making a plan, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and they will give our attention and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So here's what I love about this story. This church, here they are. They're they're young and and they are trying to bring this message to the world. But what do they do from their very inception? They take care of vulnerable people from the outset. I mean, they didn't they didn't have a bunch of money. They didn't have a million dollar building. But what they did have, they gave freely. They shouldn't have even been trying to attempt a rescue mission. But it was in the church's DNA to help those in need. And it's in our church's DNA, too. The early church knew they needed to be about compassion because that's what Jesus was about. And he was about compassion because that is what God was about. Listen to this ancient song lyric from Psalm 68. Sing to God. Sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. These lyrics, they roll off your tongue like like the the introduction of a of a heavyweight boxing champion about to defend his title. Can you see it? Ladies and gentlemen, 
now entering the ring, standing taller than the earth itself, weighing in at more than the universe. His name is the Lord, Father to the fatherless, champion of widows. He's the cloud rider, the homemaker, the prison breaker. His name is God in his holy dwelling. Right? Yeah, this is the God I want to sing about. That makes me want to sing praise to his name, a God like this. The second thing that, that, that stood out to me in this passage is, is how this compassionate God made most evident in Jesus. Uh, he, he showed his people how to lead. And instead of the leaders taking it all themselves, the leaders are brought a need. They're brought a need from the people. And then what do they do? They respond to the need by giving leadership mantle to the people. So they don't try and take it all themselves and do all the work. So many pastors burn out because we try and do too much and do it all ourselves. It's not the way. The church brings the need, the leaders bless it, and the church meets it. What I love about Hillcrest is the DNA of compassion is not just in the leadership. It permeates this whole church. I mean, how many caring ministries do we have as a church? Let me just name a couple. About 13 years ago, a couple of, in our congregation came up with the idea that Man, there's millions of children who need to be adopted and it's expensive. Can we help one another? Yeah, do it. And they started this ministry called Adoption Connection and it's been rolling and gaining momentum throughout the years. Then there's Royal Family Kids Camp. Over 20 years ago, our church began to partner to create this camp that helps abused and neglected children from all over Whatcom County to receive this hope that their lives matter, that they can be part of a royal family. And check this out. I was over at the, the drive-by giving this Friday. We raised Bellinghamsters, thanks to them, thanks to all of you, we raised over $31,000 for this camp. Yeah. And... There's a promise of 10,000 more from the Lions Club. What? Come on. Thank God. That's incredible. Okay. And then um, another thing, you'll notice my red shirt. You've maybe seen some guys around with this before. This is the Men of the Hill t-shirt, our men's ministry. We've begun a, a little ministry. It's called these True Religion Projects. And it's based on... Uh, a verse from James 1.27. That's when, where we find our inspiration. Uh, one, one translation says true religion. But this translation says religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. What a beautiful description of true religion. 
check this out. Here's, here's how we devised a plan to, to make this ministry work. Greg Thurston, or Greg, Greg Jensen, he's kind of like the uh, commissioner, and he oversees and receives calls to, of needs in the community. And then he is, sends out those needs to four leaders of, of the ministry. We call them captains. And they all have eight people who have joined together, and they have committed that they will do three projects per year. Yes! Come on, that's something to celebrate, isn't it? Yeah, men getting involved, doing good things. You know what? Uh, we're in an expansion program. We, wanna, we don't want to just have four teams. We have, that's 32 guys, but there are already 51 total who wanted help out. We need more team leaders. We need captains out there, men of skill and courage and dignity who can, who can lead a team. So if you're one of those, talk to me. We'd love to get you involved. Young or old, you can play a part. So let me review here. Uh, in, this, in this broken down world where there are so many children who are fatherless, so many families that are scraping by, there's also a ton of good being done. There's a ton of healing and hope that is pouring out, that is seeping out of Hillcrest Chapel, of our church. But I'm not just talking about our church, Hillcrest. There's goodness coming out of CTK and Cornwall, First Baptist, First Press, churches in Seattle and San Francisco, Calcutta and Cambodia. The church is on the move. And do we want to be a part of it? That's the invitation of God today. I'd like to close with a story of someone very special to me. Being Mother's Day in particular, uh, many of you know that almost two months ago, my own sweet mom, who was a widow herself, passed away. My mom, if she were here today, do you know what she would be most proud of? Jesus. Do you know what she would talk about? It's how Jesus had compassion on her. When she was at her wit's end, trying to raise a rowdy batch of children, how he rescued her time and time again. She would talk about how the compassion of Jesus, through the power of his spirit that was in her, enabled her to reach out and help those who were vulnerable, who were destitute, who were in trouble particularly in the area of alcohol addiction, something in which she was on the road to recovery of herself. As she neared the end of her life, in that final couple weeks in the hospital, the compassion of Christ still seeped out of her. Just couldn't help it. Thank you, Jesus. Nurses, 
doctors, friends, family, all sensed that God was in this place. She was so confident in Jesus' love for her that she was able to face death head on. Church, some of us are lugging around regret this morning. Some of us uh, were perhaps not confident that God is here Standing always at our side. Some haven't known the compassion that he has. They would get him the title, fatherless, father to the fatherless. Defender of widows. Some of us are, are sad as we, as we think of the, the decisions we made as parents. Others sad about the kind of mother that we had growing up and wishing it had been different. Do you know that Jesus wants to reach into that place today and bring healing and hope to all here? Will we say yes to him? Others of us have been, uh, been coasting and meandering through life. Maybe dawdling in a little bit of good here, doing a little bit of kind things here. But really, largely, our life story is no bigger than ourself or maybe our family. And the God who made you is inviting you into this world-changing mission that's going on right now, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. People's lives are being transformed radically by knowing this Jesus. He makes all the difference in the world. He's inviting us to something bigger than our own story. And so will you say yes to him? Right now I'd like to give an opportunity for for us to say yes to Jesus, to receive his compassion. It's an intimate moment with us and God. So I'd invite us to just bow your heads, Close your eyes. It helps to just get rid of all those distractions and to think about this God who made you, that had compassion on you. For those of us who have never said yes to this God who loves you, who have never known the forgiveness, the compassion of Jesus, a real person, I'd invite you to just slip up your hand Say, yes, I want, I want in on this. I want to be part of this. Is there anybody here today who's wanting to make that decision to follow Jesus?
wonderful. I see your hands. God sees your hands. Are there any in our midst who look at our own lives and and see them wrapped pretty, pretty firmly around ourselves? And we're saying, this isn't enough. There's got to be something more in this life. I've, I've known Jesus. I've known about him. But maybe today is a day where you want to step in the direction of following him. You want to turn around to work from where your life has been veering off course. If that's you today, if you want to just slip up your hand to say, God, see me. See me wanting to make a change of direction in my life today. Is there, any, is there anyone out there? Yeah. The Lord sees your hand. He's going to do great things in our lives, church, as we say yes to him. The invitation is to all of us every day. We're going to respond in song. A song that says that the spirit and the bride of Christ, which is us, the church, say, come. It says, welcome. You're welcome. All are welcome. No matter what your story, no matter what kind of parent you've been, what kind of uh, past you have, Jesus says, come, come. Receive from me forgiveness, hope, transformation. Let's pray together and then let's sing these words. God, our Father, healer of the world, father to the fatherless, defender of widows, we're so glad that that's your title. We're so thankful that you care for each one in this room, that you know the burdens we bear, the sorrows of our heart that that, that can't even be named. We invite you into our lives. We receive the forgiveness and cleansing of Jesus. We recognize his death on the cross as enough for anything we've ever done. It wipes it away. It cancels our debt. And we don't have to bear that today. God, would you help us to be a people who do not live in regret, who do not live in sorrow, who do not live in this Agony, this bitterness of the past. But we open our hearts and our eyes to a fuller future, a, a future that, that is glorious, that has you at the forefront. And we want to be out with you on mission in the world to help all who don't know that there's a God who loves them all who don't know that their past can be set aside, that today can be new. God, will you give us eyes to see those people around us? Will you make us ambassadors of change and transformation in Bellingham, in Whatcom County, in our classrooms, in our jobs, in our families, in our neighborhoods, and to the ends of the earth? us to hear you call us to come. 
spirit and the bride say,